children's class is currently learning about John the Baptist and Jesus. They already knew quite a bit about Jesus, but they knew hardly anything about John the Baptist. And so they have started learning some of the physical characteristics that they think is so funny. Like he was a hairy man and that he was very loud when he spoke. And they love the fact that he lived out in the desert, that his dad raised him out in the desert. And so therefore he knows how to live off the land. He knows how to uh, hunt. He knew how to build a tent from camel skins. They think it's funny that he ate milk and, and locusts. This morning, we do silly things with them so that they remember these stories, so that they remember who it is that these people are and the things that they've done. And sometimes we do it in odd ways with kids, like this morning, to remember that he was a man that lived off of the land and a man that at times ate bugs. We made bug cookies like this one. You might can see the legs poking out from the bottom. They weren't made of real bugs, but the kids now remember that John the Baptist is a man that lived off the land. And they'll know that and they'll remember that, as silly as this ice cookie may be. Knowing how to live off the land, John the Baptist was able to carry out his life's mission which was to tell people about Jesus. While living out on the land and knowing that he was always able to eat and that he would always have some kind of shelter, that he knew how to take care of himself, he had no worries that he would be able for the rest of his life to go out and tell people about Jesus. Yesterday, our family took a stroll through a few hundred years of Iowa farming at Living History Farms. We saw what a 1700 Iowa Indian farm might have looked like. Shelters made of straw and leather hides. Gardens with corn in the center and beans and squash running out from it. we saw how they just made enough to provide food for themselves. Maybe a little bit extra in case they had a bad year the next year, but they just made enough for themselves. We then saw an 1850 Pioneer Farm where crops were grown in several small fenced-in areas to where you could easily go in and, and pick when it's harvest season for each of the little gardens that were there. We saw more animals also in that space and we learned how they would sell those animals so that they would be able to not only have food but make a little extra money. And then, just 50 years down the road, we moved in to see the 1900 horse-powered farm. Long rows of crops. A lot more animals. They were producing a whole lot more. And they had to by 1900 in order to keep their occupation as farmers. 
farmers of 1900 were no longer mainly just supplying for themselves. They were expected to supply for others throughout their community. And in order to be able to do that, they had to have more land. They had to be able to have and feed these larger animals that could pull the plows. <coughs> these farmers in these different categories, all here in the state of Iowa, all within a 300-year time frame, had to evolve and change in order to remain farmers. A couple of weeks ago here, in this very room, we discussed the importance of sharing a meal at table with others. And then I go and see these kids that are learning about things that somebody ate a few millennia ago. And their interest in that and how they're learning about that. And then I walk through with my family and my mom and my aunt, and we see locally what people have eaten. We went into that little house. When you get done with all, the, there's a little museum. When you get done going through all of the, the homes, there's a little museum, and it's split in half. And on one side of the room, you see what a kitchen looked like in 1900. And then you see what a kitchen looks like today. And you open up the little refrigerator of 1900, and there are carrots, and there are onions, and there's milk. And then you open up the Today's refrigerator, and there are all of these boxes. There was no real food other than the little egg, plastic eggs that laid in there. Our foods have changed over time. just in this small amount of time, in the same area. So how appropriate it is that today, this Sunday, October 16th, it's easy to remember because it's on Allie Lester's birthday every year. <laughs> October 16th each year is World Food Day. And it happens to fall on Sunday this year. It's a day that's set aside to take action against hunger. And in a world in which, frankly, we don't worry too much about hunger. Yeah, we sit there and look at our watches because we start getting hungry and it's lunchtime or it's dinner time. But that's a whole different experience than what people around our world, and some a whole lot closer, are experiencing. Food, regardless of who you are, is a vital part of life. And just as Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes, knew, there's a season for planting and a season for harvesting. There's a season for working and a season for feasting. A season to celebrate all the hard work that these farmers have done. <coughs> As our new Nobel Prize in Literature winner would tell you, the times, they are a-changing. And it's nothing new. 
as we saw yesterday, walking through those different farms, times have been changing for farmers. And they continue to change. Only the problem is now that we have more people on our earth, we have more people that are also going hungry. What this means is that we don't eat the same foods that people did a few millennia ago. Some of you are probably grateful we don't eat bugs and have to go out and get our own honey from beehives. But what it means is that currently today, farmers in India need not only plant rice, fruits, and vegetables like they have for centuries, but now they need to acquire more land with water for cows so that they can meet the new dietary needs of their community. You see, more and more people in India are starting to learn more about dairy products and their importance in their daily dietary needs. And so in order for those farmers to keep up, they now need to expand their farms. And in order to expand those farms, that not only means that they have to, to purchase these cows, but they have to have a water source for them, and they have to now grow enough grain to be able to feed these cows. It's a lot of pressure on these farmers. That means that pork producers in France that aren't able to keep up with a growing population need to acquire more land. Same problem that they're experiencing in India with their cattle. They have to acquire more land so that they can feed these pigs as they continue to grow more and more. Just in order to keep the business from their own country. It means that Cameroon when coffee and cocoa prices drop, the whole country is affected. Exports go down, the farmers are in grave danger of even supporting themselves, and the imports lower tremendously. To the point that after just a couple of years of cocoa and coffee prices dropping, the farmers have to completely try planting new crops that they don't know if they will resist the weather are the insects that are in those populations. But they have no choice but to try new crops that they can at least feed their families and their communities from. These are major changes for these farmers. In 2050, it is estimated that there will be 9.6 billion people on this earth. We're currently at 7.125 billion. And we have an estimated 795 million people that don't get enough food each day. With climates continuing to change, diets in various countries continuing to change, natural disasters eroding away farmland, our food and our agriculture must change too. That's the whole point of World Food Day, to raise awareness of these problems that farmers, fishers, and pastoralists are facing. 
I had to look up what a pastoralist was. Yes, it's someone that tends to sheep. Apparently, sheep is very popular in much of the world. And I just, in my ignorance and comfort and security here, didn't have to worry about it. With consumer awareness, with education and supporting the basic needs of everyone around us, goals can be met and people can be fed. As our friends at the Presbyterian Mission stated, and I loved this, our faith, our faith calls us to work for a world where everyone has sufficient, healthy, and culturally appropriate food, and where those who produce and prepare the food are fairly compensated, respected, and celebrated. Here in Iowa, one in eight people don't get the proper amount of food they need daily. That's lower than in, in the country as a whole. In our country, it's one in four. But here in Iowa, we're one in eight. It still doesn't make you proud, though, does it? So what can we do? What differences can we make to ensure that some of the basic needs are met for those around us? We can support our local farmers. We can work on wasting less of our food. It's estimated that one-third of the food produced for human consumption is either lost or wasted. One-third. We can continue to support local agencies like our Norwalk Area Ministerial Food Pantry. We can continue to support our local backpack program at our schools. We can donate time and money to the Food Bank of Iowa, located right here in Des Moines. This food bank gives out food to hundreds of other resources, to other local food pantries, to different shelters, similar to the one that Jessica is asking us to provide for, to women's shelters, to children's homes. These food banks are huge resources for people that are hungry in our states. We can donate time and money to support these different programs for times during natural disasters, like Meals from the Heartland, who gave all the prepared meals that they had in their building over to Haiti, to Haiti after Hurricane Matthew. 90% of Haiti was wiped out by this hurricane, 90%. And these people are going to need food and help for some time to come. One of the things that struck me the most once we moved to New Orleans and I started firsthand hearing stories from people was that they received lots of help until the next natural disaster hit. And then most people were gone. Their help stopped. But they weren't done rebuilding. We can, in these cases, continue to support these organizations and continue to bag more food, continue to send things their way, 
We can even grow food ourselves on our own little pieces of land or in containers and share them with others around us when we harvest. Jesus spoke a lot about justice issues. Fortunately, we in our country don't have some of the social justice issues that other people do. Women here are allotted the same resources as men. But in a lot of countries, women do not have access to the same resources. And it's estimated that if the women in these countries did have the same amount of access, there would be 150 million more people fed each day than there currently is. Some of these social justice issues make a huge difference in some of our basic needs and necessities. Jesus' actions were always in favor of doing what was right to people. No matter how big or how small the issue seemed. And this issue of food might seem small to us who have plenty. But in our world, it's a very big issue. One that we can comfortably go back to our homes and forget. And yes, Right now, there are people all around the world that we know nothing about that are lacking some of these basic necessities. Right now, even though lots of resources are being sent to Haiti, there are still lots in Haiti right now that are skipping meals so that others around them can be fed. A year from now, will we still care enough about them to worry about them, to pray for them, to act for them? After the next natural disaster hits, will we forget them? Do we care enough to learn about the circumstances of what could help them, more than just sending them food to feed them today, what can give them enough to where they can learn to care and grow and supply for themselves. Don't dismiss World Food Day today. The point is to act. Somehow, some way, take action. World Food Day's goal right now is that by 2030, no one in this world go hungry. In order to do that, we have to act, and we have to educate ourselves. We have to buy something local, eat something local, eat leftovers instead of just throwing them away, and only buy what you actually eat instead of letting food go to waste. Donate to charities. Drive to pick up food for our local backpack program at our schools. Volunteer to deliver meals to Meals on Wheels. Somehow, let us act today. Amen.